Apprentice Sunday. Come on. These are some of my favorite moments. And I just want to give a little backstory to it. Uh, Joelle was a, an intern for about a year. And towards the end, we have all of our interns preach at one point or another in the intern group. And the very last intern meeting, like the day before, uh, before Joelle's like, uh, I haven't preached yet. We're like, dude, we end tomorrow. <laughs> and so we're like, all right, let's do it tomorrow. And honestly, it was so profound. It was so profound. If you know Joelle, she just has such a gift for storytelling. Um, in fact, this week, she's been doing a lot of storytelling on set, just helping with movie production and stuff like that. And so it's been a really big week for her. It's been a hard week to prep, a lot going on. And I'm just so thrilled and proud of you for even showing up. It takes a lot of just courage and boldness. But I've also gotten to sit with Joelle for the last two weeks and just process through what's going on in Hebrews 7. And I think she has such a beautiful heart and perspective for it. And so who's ready to just be led in this moment by Joelle? Come on. It's going to be sweet. I'm going to kick us off, actually, by just giving us a little bit of a scripture context. I also figured if I talk for a little bit, that means she can talk longer. So um, if you got your Bible, open to Hebrews 5. We were there a couple weeks ago, um, but it is just some context to where we'll be in Hebrews 7. So um, get ready. There's some mouthfuls in here, if I'm just being honest. Hebrews 5. Every high priest is selected from among the people is an, and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as the sins of other people. And no one takes this honor on himself but receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son. Today I've become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> if anyone else is there. All right, let's go two more chapters ahead to Hebrews 7. That's going to be where we anchor. That was just a little bit of context for where we are tonight. Now, who is this Melchizedek? It might be your obvious question. Well, this Melchizedek was king of Shalem. Can anyone imagine what Shalem might be short for? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He was the king of Shalem, and a priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the, defeat, uh, from the defeat of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything he had. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without the beginning of days or end of life, he resembled the Son of God, and he remains a priest forever. So, this is our scripture for tonight. Gosh, when we read this, what in the world does it mean that Jesus was a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek? Well, good news. Joel has a little bit of insight to that. So, come on. <laughs> okay. I know. 
I'm actually laughing because you said Shalem, and I, this whole time I've been saying Salem. <laughs> well, I don't know actually how to pronounce it. I don't even know how to pronounce Melchizedek. 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 I've been practicing in the car. <laughs> Melchizedek. So if I mess up once or twice, um, it's normal. It's been happening all month. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, all right. This is fun. Obviously, um, I had no clue who Melchizedek was when I first read this. And um, I need to start my timer, actually, because I know I talk. Let's do that. Okay. I didn't know who Melchizedek was at all. And um, I got given Hebrews 7 like a month, over a month ago. I read it over, and I was like, oh, frick. Like, why did they give me this one? <laughs> like, why? Like, I'm so busy, and I have no time to really research this, and people have so many theories about who he is, and like, how, as a 22-year-old who barely knows the Bible, who's just now getting to know Jesus, can speak about Melchizedek. I couldn't even pronounce his name. I was um, listening to podcasts, and I was like, okay, I'm going to practice this. So it was super intimidating when I first read it. Um, I didn't feel smart enough about it. Normally, I don't. Uh, shocker. But I really, <laughs> this is really hard for me to do. Um, speaking is a very scary thing for me to do. It's my first time, obviously. Um, and... Yeah, it's terrifying. So for me to get this and wonder who Melchizedek is, it's like, man, like, where do I even start? <clears throat> so we all have questions. I'm here with you and trying to answer some of them and trying to figure out what the purpose is of Melchizedek. See, Melchizedek. <laughs> I've been writing Mel in my notes, so if I <laughs> say that, <laughs> it might come from that. <laughs> yeah, Melchizedek. Um, anyways, uh, I had to do a bit of research and searching and podcast listening on my drive to LA every day, just trying to figure it out. Um, and I kept on asking God, like, God, meet me. Like, obviously, this is in the, in the Bible. Um, I have no clue what this means, but meet me here. Um, I want to know why you put this in here. So I went back to Genesis, and that's where we're going to start. Um, in Genesis 12, actually. So go back to Genesis 12, if you guys want to, of course, or I can read it to you. Um, and I want you guys, actually, like, when I start reading some scripture, um, I'm going to read it to you um, and think about a concert. Uh, this sounds funny. But um, as I started figuring out who Melchizedek was, I started realizing what the purpose of what he was doing in here. And um, everyone has been to a concert, most likely. And usually, they have openers. Um, and you have an opener, and then you come for the artist. Um, and you're really excited for the artist. And then sometimes you get surprised with the opener. That happened to me when I watched, uh, or in high school, I went to a Josh Garrels concert. And I love him, but then I was really surprised with Zach Winters in the opening, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love Zach Winters. 
<laughs> so I went to go get, meet Zach Winters after the show because I was so impressed by him. <laughs> um, anyways, this character, Mekilzadek, is so cool because I see him as an opener. Um, he is not the focus of um, what we're talking about because he is just the opener to what the priority is, and that's Jesus Christ. So when I'm reading this, um, I ask you to start preparing your hearts like you're watching a concert. Um, it's going to be an opener, and there's going to be some context, um, and then we're going to get to the artist in the show. So um, uh, Genesis 12:3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and, hi and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is talking about Abraham, um, God's promise to Abraham. God makes promises. Um, and so this is a promise that he's made uh, 2,000 years ago before Christ. Um, and I want you to flip now to, to 14. I love that. The Bible app? <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so, 1417, that's where we're going to begin. Um, this is the first time Mekilzik was mentioned in the Bible in Genesis 2,000 years ago. Mekilzik was only mentioned, actually, um, in three books of the Bible. Um, that was Genesis, Psalms, and Hebrews. Um, and it's crazy because the order of Melchizedek is related to Jesus Christ. And it's like, what the heck? You only give me three books to look at, only like one story and a couple verses, and I'm supposed to relate this to Jesus Christ? I have nothing to go off of. So this story is important. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so listen. <laughs> All right, 17 is... Um, after his return from the defeat of, I don't know how to say it, Chedor, Lamor, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, Shalom, brought out bread and wine. <clears throat> he was priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham. By God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your en enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. All right. So, I haven't even looked at my notes once. Let's see. Um, in this story, in 14, um, Melchizedek is referenced as the first royal high priest uh, mentioned in the Bible. He's also a Canaanite. Um, and yet, in this uh, story, he worships the same God as Abraham, um, and that is very rare <laughs> um, as a Canaanite to show up out of nowhere, um, unexpected, unannounced, a royal high priest, first time mentioned, um, and Abraham is coming back from a battle, and um, there was two kings that met him. Uh, one was Melchizedek, um, and he's a king and a priest. I'll get to. Um, and the other was the king of Sodom, who uh, was not living um, in the will of God. And, and yet, um, Abraham actually... Um, sorry, I'm losing my place. Uh, wow, I'm getting scared. Here we go, Lord. God help me. <laughs> um, Melchizedek offers bread and wine. <laughs> um, 
not any animal sacrifice, which was common in that day, of course. And so for Melchizedek to have um, come out of the blue, uh, kind of like a movie where like there's a character introduced in the very beginning of the movie, and you don't know why, but something's important, and then he leaves, but then for some reason it comes back at the end, and it's supposed to make a point. Melchizedek comes in, brings bread and wine, throws it off, throws off the story, like incredibly so, and, um, and he's considered a priest. And yet, Abraham gave his earnings from the battle that he just won to Melchizedek, um, a tenth of his portion, and did not give anything back to king of Sodom, which he was supposed to. Um, king of Sodom did not worship the Lord. Um, Melchizedek obviously referenced um, that he did, so he basically, uh, Abraham blessed Melchizedek with a tenth of his portions. Um, so, um, so prior to this, in, he, in uh, Hebrews 12, it talks about how Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. Um, and then it says, uh, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Um, so, and then going back to the 14, uh, uh blesses Abraham, um, and in return, Melchizedek is blessed with the tenth portion, um, but because Melchizedek blessed Abraham, he's actually blessing all of us. <laughs> he's, he's, he's blessing um, all the tribes of Israel, um, and I think that's incredible. Um, that God, God fulfills a promise. It's saying that Abraham, he can trust this God. Um, it's saying that people can trust this God uh, and that he will be blessed. Um, yeah, so I think that was really incredible read. And then, uh, sorry, this is a very rich text and I'm trying to get through it really fast and it's really hard. Um, Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, fun fact, Abraham is from, like, the Levitical, uh, or out of Abraham comes the Levitical priesthood. So, actually, if Abraham represents the Le- Levitical priesthood, so Abraham blessed and tithed to Melchizedek when that's just, like, so unheard of because... <laughs> then that means that uh, Melchizedek has a superiority over the Levitical priesthood. So this is setting up a mold um, for Jesus Christ, um, that Jesus Christ is outside of the Levitical priesthood. Levitical priesthood is flawed, it's weak, it's imperfect. There is sin in it, like Tyler was preaching about, like Joe was talking about. Um, The Levitical priesthood is full of sinful people, um, just like you and me, who is literally just, um, who gets into that position by birth um, because they're a Levi. Um, and that's the order of Aaron. Um, so now I'm going to wrap up, um, trying to wrap up the context so you understand why Hebrews 7 is so powerful. Um, in Psalm 110, I know we're bouncing around, but this is the second time Melchizedek was mentioned in Psalm 110.4. So go to that. Um, Cool. 
It's really short. I'm going to read it. Um, And this is now 1,100 years um, before Jesus came. So 2,000 years ago, that was the Abraham story. And now it's 1,100 years before Jesus came. And David prophesies about Melchizedek Um, the first time. And it's like, what the heck? Are you changing up something? Like, this is kind of crazy. Because they're used to the Levitical priesthood. And now you're saying that something totally different, not the order of Aaron, but the order of Melchizedek. Um, and in Psalm 110.4, it says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are priests forever after the order of Melchizedek. Um, and so now people are like, okay, what does this mean? Um, we're still waiting. <laughs> and there's no answer yet. <laughs> Hebrews 7. I want you guys to turn to Hebrews 7 now. Now we're getting into it. I made it, folks. <laughs> that was a mouthful. It is hard to communicate. All right. Um, <laughs> so as Tyler read in the first three verses, it talks about who Melchizedek is. He's a king, king of Salem. Shalom means peace. Um, so he is a king of peace. Um, and it also says he is the priest of, most high, of the most high God. So he's not only a king, but he's a priest. Um, nothing, nowhere in history is there a king and a priest. <laughs> So this guy is very, something's very different about him. Um, it says he is without mother, he's without father, he's without genealogy, having neither beginning or of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues to priest forever. This guy, um, whoever he is, there's no record of um, his beginning, of his end, no gene- genealogy. He shows up out of nowhere, has a quick story, and we know nothing about him other than that. There's a mold that God is trying to set up for us, and he's been trying to set up for this for us like in the very beginning of time in Genesis, and it's the most beautiful thing. It is so beautiful. So this man was great. Um, Melchizedek was a great man. Um, everyone recognized that. Um, we did not know who he was. We still don't really know who he was. There's a lot of theories about him. I'm not going to focus there because you can, read, you can listen to podcasts about that. Um, but in, uh, but um, he even says, see how great this man is in, 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 uh, in verse 4. It's recognized. In Hebrews 7, 15 through 19, I want you to go to now. I'm going to read this um, because this is where, this is the climax of this show. This is the climax of the concert, the movie. Um, this is where it all makes sense. Um, God is a beautiful storyteller, and over the, like, the last year, I've fallen in love with this narrative. It's like the most beautiful narrative I've ever, ever like, read, listened to. Um, and as I keep going into it more, I'm starting to realize how rich it is. Like, it's crazy, um, and it was all made for us, um, and it's so fun. Um, so in Hebrews 7, um, this is the climax. It's, he's, I mean, the writer of the story, I think it's either a girl or a guy, whatever it is, but um, in the very beginning of 7, it talks about um, how he sets up who Melchizedek was, um, and then it goes into Jesus compared to Melchizedek. This is the climax. Now, we're supposed to compare Melchizedek to Jesus, things are starting to make sense. 
Um, it says, this becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, quoted by David from Psalms. For on, for on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. He compares, or she compares, two hands. One being the old ways, the Levitical priesthood. The one where we, we had to offer animal sacrifices so that we can get closer to God. Um, so that we can even be in his presence. We had to Drive, I mean, in this culture, we would have to drive to a temple, a church, and we'd have to get all ready, and we'd have to offer our sacrifices just so we can be in the presence of God. And yet, on this other hand, he's saying, all you need to do is draw near to me because there is something better for, it, for you. And I have set it up from the beginning of the time, this mold, that the clay is going to come in. <laughs> the focus is not the mold. It is presenting a picture for us. So we can better understand Jesus Christ as our Lord, as Savior, and our High Priest. It's so beautiful. And so Jesus is now introduced and compared with Melchizedek. Um, and now we know Melchizedek is a High Priest, King of Peace. Um, he is a King, King Priest, so he's the Most High God. Um, he has with an out mother, no father. Um, and he brings bread and wine to Abraham in the very beginning of Genesis. Um, and now you're starting to see, of course, the correlation probably from the beginning that bread and wine is significant in the story of the Bible, where Jesus brought bread and wine for Passover, representing his body and his blood for us that shed on the cross, and removing the old covenant and allowing us, inviting us to the new covenant of the presence with him anywhere. It's not just here when we come to church. Let's remove that idea. I have this... I've been asking myself, um, what does this story mean? What does this story mean? What does this story mean for like this last month? And I've been busy and it's been hard. But I started realizing what this meant. <laughs> it's that I don't need to get into my quiet place every morning and just sit there and, like, ho and just wait until I have that place to be in the presence of God. But I can be on a movie set and be praying. And I can be on a movie set worshiping the Lord. That is a temple that he's created in us that we have access to. And he wants us, like he wants us so badly to draw near to him. And it's so beautiful. And I think oftentimes like we see ourselves that we can't, we can't get close to him because we're so imperfect. Um, but that's why we need a perfect priest. Um, we need a perfect priest to intercede for us at all times so that we can draw near to him. That's God's greatest desire for us, is that we can be close to him. So in my pain and my brokenness, as I have struggled, I've struggled hard this year, and I'm sure you guys all have seen it. I've cried so many times back there, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's because transformation's happening and there's change. It's because I said yes to Christ like a year ago, a year and a half ago now, last summer, and that decision created change. Just like this priesthood, the, the transferring um, the old covenant to the new covenant creates change. It says, for when there is change in a priesthood, there is necessar necessarily a change in the law as well. My question is, are we ready to change? Are we ready to allow God 
into our lives to change us. It is the scariest thing I've ever done. It was the scariest thing I've ever done, but I've had seen more change in my life than I've ever had in my whole life this year. And I've changed a lot. And it's all because of Jesus Christ that he says, draw near to me in my brokenness, in my shame. I've struggled so hard this year. Like, I've struggled so hard. I mean, um, I'm running over time. So, <laughs> um, but all to say, the struggle is real. <laughs> and I am, by no means, like, I'm not perfect. And I am just beginning on this journey. And I'm so excited to figure this thing out. Like, I'm stoked because I finally, like, have allowed God um, into my life and not just put him on a shelf just to, like, analyze. Um, if you, I did that, and I, I, last year is when I decided to commit my life to Christ, and again, and um, I realized I was living in a way, I was putting God, like, on the shelf, um, and I wanted to analyze him from afar, and I was being a skeptic, um, but I didn't actually try him out, <laughs> which sounds funny, <laughs> because that's what faith takes, like, it takes, like, oh, like, aren't you actually going to see if, if I can change you? Or are you just going to look at it and, and see if it changes, if you change from afar? That's not how God works. He wants all of us. Um, and so I decided to just, okay, I'm going to abandon myself and, and risk it all. And so I chose Jesus, and I decided to allow him to change me. And that's what's been happening. And I, I know that's what God's offering is to draw close to him. In every, in every way. Um, and I'm going to end with 25, verse 25. It says, um, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. I want to emphasize uttermost. I looked this up in the dictionary because I often do because I don't know words. Um, I do know uttermost, but I didn't really. I wanted to look it up. So uttermost is like, um, like farthest out, outermost, most extreme. I've definitely felt that way. I know you guys have all felt that way. Too far for God to save you. Um, I would have, this is like a miracle that I'm even talking right now. I felt way too far to be able to do this. Um, and I, I thought that I would never be able to speak about Jesus again because of how scared I was and skeptical I was about if God existed or not. Um, and here I am, <laughs> and because I drew near to God and I chose him, um, because I trusted, I decided to trust that he can save the farthest, out, outermost, most extreme self. Like when I am the most extreme fleshly self, I can draw near to God. And so I've been choosing to do that in my pain, in my brokenness. I've been saying yes to him and allowing him to be on the journey with me. Um, and he can save you. He can save me completely. It's not just one hand he can save. He's going to save all of us, and that's what he wants all of us to do, to be saved, to be and draw near in him, and that's the beauty that we're living in now, post-Christ here on earth. It is the most beautiful time that we can be living in because Christ set this whole story all this is for us now to live in the presence of God.
So yeah. <laughs> oh, should I pray? I should. <laughs> oh, I forgot I was gonna pray. No, it's so good. Who felt ministered to by Joel tonight? Come on. Anyone else enjoy Apprentice Sunday? It's really sweet to see God just speak to us through new leaders and new people. So really good job, Joel. I have some questions for you. Oh, okay. So are you telling me that from the beginning of the Bible, from the very beginning, God has been setting up a template so that we would be able to recognize Jesus when he came? Yes. Right? That, that he would bless his nation through a single person. Yeah. Right, his people, yeah. that through bread and wine, or we would know as his body and blood, that we would be able to draw near to God. Yeah. And that for thousands of years, he's been trying to tell us that. From the right? beginning of the time. From the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. And are you telling me that God doesn't necessarily love me more because I follow a perfect law, but because he's actually forgiven all my sins so that I can live in relationship with him? Absolutely. That's really beautiful. And you're telling me, you're telling me that, that when Melchizedek brought a loaf of bread and some wine, or however much he brought, he brought it one time, that that was enough for Abraham to know that God was blessing his nation for all time. Yes. And so, so I should probably read that and think like, oh my gosh, Jesus dying for my sins one time and raising to death over them was enough no matter what is in the way for me to live in unity with the Lord, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's yeah. the story that God's been telling for thousands of years. And so as a reader, the idea is that the first time, when you would see Jesus come and fit this beautiful order of Melchizedek, that mm -hmm. mold, like you said, you'd read the crucifixion of Jesus and be like, oh my gosh, this is the one they were talking about. This is the guy. And so I just really want to thank you tonight for being vulnerable and honest with your story because it's not easy to come and say, I, here's, here's where I've really struggled, but I'm learning to believe this for myself. It's a vulnerable place to preach from because not, not anyone has it figured out, but we're just really thankful for you. So really good job, Joelle. I'm so excited. We're so excited to see how the Lord continues to raise you up in this. So here's, here's kind of the idea is that what uh, oh, applause <laughs> so what we wanted to do tonight just out of this space of apprentice sundays we actually have some questions where are they at kevy kev oh wow those are great questions so the idea is for you guys right now not just to go home and ponder but actually to get into little groups of like three or four and just process through these questions together how does this reality of hebrew 7 Help me know that Jesus is completely trustworthy. And what is God helping me let go of? What habits in my life? What lies that I've believed? What sins that I'm walking in? Whatever. So that I can draw near to him by his grace. It's so easy just to stay in hiding when he is inviting us out. And then the final is this. Just as Melchizedek blessed the nation so that they would be blessing the world. How does God want to bless the world through your faith in Jesus? What's the mission he's put you on? 
So what do you think? We got like 10, 15 minutes just to get in our little four pods and process with one another?